0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today.
1: Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you?
0: Doing well. Good. Thank you. Good. good. We're going to talk about uh, the only president we have at the moment. Uh. There's a lot of people who would like to be president, and uh, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a speech he's given, but also that he's... Uh, not doing that well mm-hmm. uh, about his uh, uh, propaganda, about yeah. how uh, he has no responsibility uh, whatsoever with inflation. But uh, I have my own opinion about who oh, really definitely. causes <laughs> inflation. But uh, he he went to Alabama mm-hmm. inappropriately, and you know, the other president, even Republican presidents would do that. Uh, I remember uh, George W. Bush did a lot of that too. Yeah. <clears throat> go to a plant where they build weapons. We're the tough guys, and we run the world, and we we need weapons. and And uh, he had to go down there and thank him for doing such a good job building building javelins. And uh, uh, evidently uh, the, the javelin's been used a lot. a lot of money's been made of it. Uh, what the final opinion is of the javelin, maybe yes to be uh, resolved. But anyway, the whole process had nothing to do with the success of the javelin. Just as long as where am I, blow them up, do whatever, we just need to keep going. And you guys know how to build javelins. So they got things. But he, he uh, did more than just thank the workers there uh, for doing this. He started talking about... But other things, and he got into some a little bit of like philosophy. He says the conditions that we're facing today, uh, the chaos in the world is historic and disturbing. And therefore... Uh we have to take over, and I wonder who this is, yeah. and uh, he says, we have to gain control and of course it's, it's uh, the uh, far left uh, because they've taken over uh, you know control of so much of everything else like the the educational system and and uh, medical system and all the worst. So he says we need control of this and of course it's the control whether it's republican control or democratic control it's the control uh by politicians and bureaucrats and special interests that's the problem so uh this the fight now since we're in bankruptcy is going to be over who who can offer the best system of control of course what they're talking about is the best approach to uh, controlling the, the finances and the wealth and who's going to benefit from it. So that's ongoing and it's a little bit difficult for them because nobody can quite figure out exactly what's going on in the economy. It's a strong economy. The stock market says it's doing pretty strong and, and uh, people, uh, a lot of employment. They're looking for people to go to work. So everything must be pretty good. A few people are complaining. The prices are going up and a few things like that, but he sort of got off on some tangents. Uh, but it was important to him, the military plan. Thank you, folks. We'll send you more money. We want to send. We want more weapons, and uh, we know that uh, your your companies that you have here involved in building building these weapons are very objective and very independent-minded. It would never be, you know, uh, influenced by political, uh, uh, you know, thinking going on. They would never become lobbyists or anything like that. So we we have to sort this out, and uh, I hope uh, most of our listeners realize my sarcasm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It was a bizarre speech. He went down to Alabama to Lockheed Martin to talk to the workers there, to praise the workers there, it was a bizarre speech. It was, it was full of a lot of real bad gaffes. And in fact, it's, it's gotten so bad that he actually made fun of his own gaffes as he, as he started his own speech that was full of gaffes, including him saying something like, um, Before the war started, we made sure that Russia had enough javelins so they could. You know? So he said a lot of bizarre things. And some of those things are to be expected, obviously, when you're on the world stage. But there's an awful lot of these gaffes. Um, but here's one thing, and you and you, you alluded to it in your opening. If we can put on that first clip, he's trying to give a higher purpose, a broader purpose to what's happening there. If we can put that first clip up, and here's what he said: We are at an inflection point in history, for real. It comes along about every six or eight generations, where things are changing so rapidly that we have to be in control. If you think about six or eight generations that would take us back about a hundred years so this is an inflection point that is more significant in his telling than World War II and perhaps even World War I the entire Vietnam War era this is the real inflection point he's really trying to build this whole thing up uh, as more than just a border dispute between Russia and Ukraine uh, but our good friend David Stockman I think has a good retort uh, and not directly, but I think what he writes, and we have it on Ron Paul Institute today, um, but he makes a good point. He ties the Trump derangement syndrome that lasted really throughout the Trump presidency to this Putinophobia, to this Russophobia, and basically the Democrats believing all of the things that have been disproven by Gate, And this is driving the policy. Republicans, of course, for the most part, are too dumb to see it. But here's what David wrote, and I'll send it back to you after this. He says, as a result of Trump derangement syndrome turned Putinophobia, Washington is now on a doomsday path that has no rational end game except the risk of World War III, when the objective facts of the matter scream in the opposite direction. That is to say, in an objective and rational world, Washington would not be touching the Russia-Ukraine dispute with a 100-foot pole because it implicates nothing of consequence for america's homeland security that's reality and that's why biden has to play this up and he even used the term as a clash of civilizations some great huge crusade that he's leading toward democracy well
0: he's on to something david's on to something as usual uh and uh i think buried in that is it's so impractical what they're doing you know it sounds philosophic and all this but it's so so impractical because all that nonsense doesn't work but he also uh biden claimed his description of this was this was uh you know the big big philosophic battle between autocracy and democracy oh yeah of course we, in the United States and our politicians, Republicans and Democrats are generally, that's what they like. They like democracy, uh, even though the founders weren't too gun-ho about it. Uh, the democracy, uh, to them means one thing. Uh, it means something else to us. And uh, the autocracy, I think that goes on, that's sort of the idea, it's not communism, it's a few pe- powerful people who control the money and the interest. And I would say the <laughs> autocracy is what we have, but are they want to get really get rid of the autocracy. No, they just want to make sure that they have a democratic president, a democratic Supreme Court, and a democratic Congress uh, to, uh, you know, be in beds with with the autocrats, and and that, of course, is what they're they're interested in, and that's why all this is nonsense is not going to do much, because the bad there is a battle out there, and for me, I think the battle is between those who are tyrants, tyranny, the basic instinct of some who always want to use force to control other people and control the economy and police the world and the people who believe in liberty and a better understanding of what liberty is. I think that's where the real battle is, and yet they don't talk about it in these terms. It's democracy, which is a dictatorship of the majority, and what you do is you have good people to propagandize and convert the majority into believing anything they want and and, and all that nonsense. And then it's picking and choosing who the autocrats ought to be.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing that he mentioned in this very strange speech, where he got a few things very weirdly wrong, but he brings it up. This is about jobs. And this is a little more down to earth than the whole pie in the sky. This is about the clash of civilizations. And if we can put on that next clip, here's where he talks about this. He's talking to these workers And he says, there's something else here to that to be understood. Being the arsenal of democracy also means good paying jobs for American workers in Alabama and the states all across America where defense equipment is manufactured and assembled. 265 people here at this plant are directly employed working on the javelin program. All told, Lockheed Martin has brought nearly 3,000 jobs to Alabama. And that reminds me, of course, of the old economic principle instead of what? These 3,000 people, or these 265 people, they are at work making javelin missiles that are sent over to Ukraine, most of them being blown up before they even arrive in the hands of the workers. The other ones, and I've seen many videos, they're all in the hands of the Russians. Thousands of these are already captured by the Russians when the Ukrainians retreat. But this doesn't matter to them. All that matters is that these jobs are manufacturing these things. They don't care what happens, but you can speak to this better than me. Instead of what?
0: Yeah, but you know they put in high esteem. I understand now they'll actually name their kids yeah. <laughs> after this wonderful weapon. They they name them javelin. And uh, I was just wondering uh, when the, when they're going to start naming kids bazooka, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, all, and you know, Sing and it. I can't
1: remember ever delivering a bazooka or a javelin. <laughs> I, you know, I used to deliver babies. Yeah. Well, actually, we do have the clip of him saying this, and it, it's very. Very weird. But we have the provenance of where he got this. So let's put on that video clip, it's only 13 seconds, of him claiming that Ukrainians are so thrilled with our support that they're naming their children Javelin.
0: In fact, they've been so important, there's even a story about Ukrainian parents naming their children. Not a joke. Their newborn child, Javelin or Javelina. Not a joke.
1: But in fact, here's where this comes from. If we can, I know I've got you running around back there, but if we can put on that next clip, this is interesting because we looked into where, where did he get this? This is weird. This is really weird. And where did he get it? Well, he got it from one source. This is a well-known source, uh, Ilya Pomarenko. He works for a US government funded newspaper in Ukraine. And he's the one that first said it. Two newborn Ukrainian kids, a boy and a girl, have been registered under the names Von Javelin and Javelina, respectively. Okay, this is this one reporter. Well, who is this guy? He works for a US government funded newspaper, but he also has some weird friends. Put on the next one. This is him, this is not the conspiracy, this is him advertising. Here he is with the Azov battalion. He says, brothers in arms, it was a fine day in August 2017 when the Azov guys consecrated me an artillery guy. And we know that the Azov brigade are literally open Nazis with swastikas, SS symbols, etc. You don't have to look it up because it's well known. Because before this war even started, the U.S. government, all the mainstream media was talking about, were really concerned about these Nazis here. So this is a weird guy. He's a Nazi. He's paid by the government, and he comes up with this cockamamie story that Biden somehow works into a speech. Well,
0: since that's not controversial, I'm sure the media will look at this and look at what you just said and say, you know, that is interesting. And it sounds like it's true. I think we better put that on our news service tonight. More
1: likely they'll cancel us for saying (laughs) it. Yeah.
0: But, you know, uh, Biden was saying that, uh, you you know, Russia says it's a war against NATO you know, that uh, Russia is committing war against NATO. But there's some others who think that NATO's committing a war against Russia. And uh, it's pretty important, you know, what's going on now. But uh, I think uh, people who take different sides on that ought ought to have a grand debate. You know and find out uh, why why do some and I and we uh, here uh, believe that NATO have not been saints yeah <laughs> and ever since World War II uh, there were there's been an effort uh, to build NATO and NATO uh, under the guidance of the United States have not been exactly honorable in what they have promised on how they would deal with Russia and how world peace would be achieved in a more secure way, especially in Europe, if uh, Russia, you know, you know, can uh, they get they'll close down on the Cold War and they're going to take their troops out of Germany and move back. And you guys in NATO, uh, you can have your troops and you take care of take care of that. But don't get near our borders. And yeah. that is, and, and they. They more or less went along with that. You know, everybody talked about like Jimmy Baker and these others. Said, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." So. people need if they if they say run we're getting confused now well, look it up and look at the details and look at the coup and look at the nato of what's going on but it's not going to be found by nato printouts they're not going to tell you oh yeah we we were the ones that didn't we cool off this neat coup in 2014 yeah. and that made uh, the, the russians a little bit nervous but what the heck you know there's, practically a third world nation now. They're so much poorer than we are. They would never dare yeah. defend themselves by challenging NATO uh, in Ukraine. Well, it looks like things are uh, working out uh, to, to a place where there's a lot of uh, hostility right in Ukraine right
1: now. You know, everyone wants to say you're taking Russia's side or you're taking NATO's side or whatever. No one ever wants to say, hey, we're taking the U.S. side. I mean, we're with David Stockman. This is not our fight in any remote way. And here's a little piece of encouraging news, uh, because our good friend Tim McGraw wrote me a note the other day saying, I watch you guys because I want to have some good news for a change. (laughs) And here's a bit of encouraging news. J.D. Vance, Republican, was running in the primaries in Ohio. All of his opponents were in favor of no-fly zone over Ukraine. He is the one who got up there and said, I don't care what happens in Ukraine. It doesn't matter to me. I care about jobs in the U.S. I care about the U.S. economy. I care about manufacturing in the U.S. Now, he's not perfect. But this was his thing. He he stepped on the on the third rail with both feet. I don't care. I don't want any part of this Ukraine war. He won yesterday convincingly in his primary against a lot of very well funded opponents. So I think Republican Party take note. There is a strong sentiment out there that does not want any part of this war. Let Biden have
0: uh, it. And that is great news. And uh, I I don't know Vance. I've never talked to him. No of them. But if I did talk with them, what I would say is, you know, I, I had a, somewhat of an experience dealing with war issues in young people. I say, go to the college campuses. We need an injection of anti-war fervor in this country because the progressives have deserted us. So therefore, do you go to the Republicans? Looks like the Republicans didn't jump on your bandwagon, but the people are with him. That is that is great. And uh, it's always underestimating some statement. Then somebody comes along like him, and he's says in the midst of it he was thinking more about the principle and he said you know why don't we do a poll and find out how this is going to do my numbers oh the numbers were bad you know if you do this you'll lose for sure but he, he spoke the truth and I think just coming across as speaking the truth gave him a lot of points as much as the issue but when people have second thoughts and say you know, that's probably true. What do I want to send my kids over there for? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, common sense breaks out. And that's that's dangerous. And telling the truth, boy, that is really dangerous to the thugs
1: who run our governments. Exactly. Well, this is kind of a, 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 the next segue into what's happening. And what happened today is the uh, Russian for, uh, defense minister repeated a warning that the foreign minister said last week. We can put up that next clip. Uh, this is their uh, defense minister in Russia They don't like us sending weapons to Ukraine to kill Russians. He said the United States and its NATO allies continue to pump weapons into Ukraine. I can confirm that any transport from the North Atlantic Alliance that arrives in the country with weapons or material for the Ukrainian armed forces will be considered by us as a legitimate target for destruction, uh, what he said. And so we know that Russia yesterday bombed a lot of other railway lines to try to prevent these weapons from happening it's only a matter of time if they don't heed this warning stop sending these things in that there's going to be a real heating up
0: But it just doesn't make any sense even even with the understanding that there are some people out there that literally want it to happen and want the chaos because they want to introduce the solution as being, you know, Marxism, you know, and that there's chaos in the streets and, and they do this on, on purpose. But, uh, you, you know, but for the people, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's sort of self-destructive, you know, to, to just, just try to precipitate these problems and send the weapons anyway and, and, not, and not pay attention. They ought to believe what uh, Putin is saying. Yeah. You know, because he he did say a lot about you keep your weapons away from our borders, you know, <laughs> maybe there's a few Americans who would like to say, keep keep those illegal drug dealers away yeah. from our borders and a few others. But, no, uh, you know, that, that is uh, that is pretty bad, you know, and also uh, along with that. Did you, did you have another statement on that?
1: No, no, no. OK,
0: I just wanted to mention this, which is sort of related. The new Putin, the new Putin decree. Could cut Russian exports uh, to U.S. and Europe. Is that oh, did they invent this whole idea of uh, sanctions? Nations, yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been beaten up so badly, and it's the people don't understand. They really are a poor nation, and then uh, uh, and they spend a lot less on uh, militarism than we do. But anyway, we could cut the Russian exports uh, to the U.S. and Europe. Europe. If just think of a, a sort of a uh, understanding of free trade between Europe and Russia, you know, and they honored it, Europe would be so much better off. But then the, the politicians, the international politicians come in and through the banking system and through NATO, they put pressure on common sense in Germany and Poland and everything else. Oh, yeah, it's all Russia. We have to do this. But <clears throat> all of these things have made things much worse uh, for the people that uh, you, you know it was supposed to hurt so they put these sanctions on and uh, Eventually it backfires on them and, and the people people are suffering even even if the if, uh, Sanctions on Russia works and you in some of these goods and services are cut off It, it really is hurting the people who was wants to get it to us yeah. you know they don't, they don't really have much of a concept on how the market works and how integrated it is, you know, the the uh, the word global economy is a scare tactic. But global economy, a worldwide economy, as long as it's all voluntary with a sound <coughs> sound measurement of a unit of account, believe me, if you want prosperity and peace, that's what they ought to be talking about.
1: Yeah, what well, you mentioned earlier, why not listen to Putin on this? Why not listen to him saying we're going to target your transports if you do this? You know, the thing is. You can think that Putin is the bad guy that the mainstream media portrays him as. You could think that he is the worst thing since Hitler. But you still have to ask yourself, why? Is it worth it to not listen to this? Is it worth it to move headlong into this war? What is in it for us? And going back to what Stockman said, he made a good point because what the neocons and now the left neocons argue is that, well, if we let him get away with Ukraine, he's going to reconstitute the old Soviet empire and take over central and eastern Europe. There's literally no way of doing that because aside from, and Stockman made this point, aside from maybe some little parts of Serbia, the rest of the entire central and eastern Europe is so completely opposed to Russia, they don't want to be occupied by Russia. Why would Russia completely tank its economy and destroy its military to occupy this kind of hostile territory? What would be in it for them? Resources? No. Russia has the resources. So you can hate Putin all you want, but you still have to ask, why would we do this? Is it worth it? And the answer is obviously no.
0: No. why don't they look at a little bit of history this reminds me so clearly about uh you know vietnam and uh, the far east because in high school and i wasn't much into politics but uh, i delivered newspapers and i usually read all the headlines <laughs> <laughs> but i'd listen to the radio and uh and it was in some of those years we hadn't had television yet but the domino effect was the big deal if we don't stop them here. The Russians and the, they, 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 I think they talk more about Russia than China. But they, 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 they talk literally, communism is going to do, and the domino effect is going to wipe that whole place out. And just think, how many dollars were spent? How many lives were taken, both Vietnamese and American? And how, how many families were turned to pieces? billions and billions up back then we didn't even talk about it, trillions of dollars but a lot of money yeah. and all that suffered and guess what there was never we we lost and still the hawks still don't want to admit it we lost and we had to walk away with tail between our legs and uh, not uh, <laughs> not really can uh, you know, confess about anything. The most startling comment I read about this the result of that war was there was a, fam- a well-known colonel for the South Vietnamese and an American colonel got together and they were talking about it, uh, about the war. The war was over. This was at the peace talks. And uh, and, 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 and the subject came up of the Americans. You know, how can I defend myself? Look at what we did. We couldn't even beat you guys. He says, but let me tell you, he was telling the Vietnamese, he says, we beat you every single time on the on the field. Uh, our military always won a battle. And uh, Vietnamese said, Yes, and it's irrelevant.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's irrelevant. But,
0: and, that, and that indicates the, the hometown spirit, you know, of how to defend a country. But well, anyway. The <laughs>
1: last item, if we're ready to move on, is more bad news for the Biden administration. And it makes me wonder, maybe it's not a surprise, maybe it's not a coincidence that all of a sudden the next thing is abortion. And we're not talking about Ukraine anymore or Putin. And let's put up that next one. This is from our friends over at Zero Hedge. Um, This is a new poll. We love polls because they're interesting. Uh, New poll, Biden price hike. Most Americans blame U.S. president. 76% of Republicans think Biden, not Putin, is responsible for the higher fuel prices. A quarter of Democrats, which is a lot, and 54% of independent voters. So, as he says, a majority of Americans still don't believe the Biden administration's ham-fisted attempts to shove the Putin price hike narrative down our throats. And this tags along, this is later in the piece, if we can do that next one, with an NBC News poll, which is interesting. And this was previewed on the Today Show. President Biden is trying to label this Putin's price hike. Well, most Americans, according to an NBC poll, are not buying that. Only 6% blame (laughs) Putin. Most believe that Biden's policies are to blame. I'm disappointed with this. It makes a a point that you should talk about, but
0: it it bothers me because they don't even touch on the subject of what inflation is all about. It's big government. They say it's deficit, not a loan by deficit. It's not spending. It's all involved. It's government's involved. Uh, The costs uh, go up because of regulations and lockdowns and everything. There are reasons that put price pressure on things. But that's sort of like saying, you know, the hurricane caused inflation. You know it tore up this state and all of a sudden there were shortages and prices went up and and all this sort of thing it, but that is not the inflation and uh, it's important because they base their uh, on a fallacy that they think that in a healthy economy you want inflation and by their definition inflation is when the cost of living goes up they see it as a healthy sign for 10 years since 2012 the policy of the federal reserve has always been we need more inflation we need the prices to go up because they're barely going up instead of saying well maybe that's good for the consumer that we need to and they worked out it And they printed money and did everything. They had license to steal and the license to spend on anything and everything. And they did it. And then even this uh, uh, past year, it did hit 2% and a lot more you know and and they think they think the increase in the CPI is a sign of growth just like if, if uh, uh, you, you know what what about if the CPI is going up and the economy is getting weaker you you can have stagflation and uh, an inflationary depression you can have all these things but they do not talk about that and then they say well you, you know it's a political thing and the the whole problem is is see There are hawks on both sides, and there's probably percentage-wise more on the Republican side than the Democratic side. So if you say, well, it's spending on the javelins and the F-35s and all this stuff, you don't need. It's taking it out of the economy. And all of a sudden you say, yeah, but the employment is high, but the standard of living is going down. There was a time my lifetime where it was just sort of understood that uh, women worked when they felt like it and, and they filled in and it was, it was not a big, a big issue. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, women had to work, yeah, you yeah. know, because they couldn't, they couldn't have their standard of living. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding that uh, creating money, the Federal Reserve <laughs> it was never mentioned in this little discussion. They, if they're serious about talking about inflation, which they are today, Uh, because the uh, Open Market Committee is meeting today. But uh, I don't think they'll talk very very much about uh, uh, the correction that really needs to be and will be made because the markets are strong. The market will bring on the changes necessary because uh, we're dealing with a bankruptcy without admitting that we're dealing with a bankruptcy. But the market will win out eventually. The standard of living will go down and prices will go up. And uh, Congress, no matter whether we have 30 new members or 60 new members, they're still going to spend money. So they better learn how to protect themselves, take care of themselves, and understand the money issue.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll just finish by thanking our viewers again for watching the program. Uh, If you're not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe. Please make a comment. Please like the show to help it get out. When we do see a lot of likes and comments, we notice that it appears higher up. Uh, and so it kind of has a snowball effect, and we appreciate that. Uh, again, a reminder of our June conference, June 4th in Houston, Texas. We've sold in the 90 percentile range of our tickets. We have a few left, not many left. We're trying to get a little bit more space uh, in the room, so hopefully to be able to offer some more tickets. But it's just a month out from today. So if you're planning on traveling, now it's time to firm up your plans. We're going to have some great speakers, Scott Ritter, Dr. Paul, myself, and a few others to be announced. Time is now to get those tickets if you're going to travel. If you're from Houston, hey, it's easy. Just get your tickets. If you're from Texas, well, it's a big state, but you can still get around and come visit us. We're all looking forward to seeing you.
0: Very good. I think it is proper and correct to talk about inflation and monetary policy along with foreign policy because if we seek peace, which we should, and most Americans do, but there's a misunderstanding, but the wars could not be fought if the countries dedicated themselves to an honest monetary system. The founders understood that, Uh, they understood inflation, and they said that only gold and silver should be uh, legal tender. Because if you can borrow and get away with it for years and declare an emergency already in place or coming uh, to stir it up and just think of, uh, you know, the the last 30, 40 years has always been terrifying the American people. What happened? They're coming for us. They're coming for us. We we better do it. They're, They're still doing this. You know, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. And that means spending on militarism is not uh, not resisted at all and it's bipartisan and they could not do it if they couldn't just print up the money and the keynesian approach to it is don't worry about deficits and they'll take care of themselves they should worry about deficits and spending because the debt will have to be liquidated and it gets liquidated in two different ways one uh the government quits paying their bills that's not going to happen the government will always pay their bills with fiat money money that doesn't buy anything but the debt is liquidated because if you, if, uh, if you can pay off a $100 debt with a dime, uh, believe me, uh, it's going to be fee, fiat money that will rule and, and eventually destroy it. You have to eventually decide that there will be monetary reform and it has to be worked into a system that is designed to promote peace and prosperity. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.